0: Well, we're talking about serving. uh, Because we're talking about the book of Ephesians. And in the book of Ephesians, we're learning about the body of Christ. Now, it's interesting that we get to chapter 4 in the body of Christ. Yeah, chapter 4. Before we really come to us doing anything. I just want you to stop and think about that for a second. The first three chapters, it's hard to find us doing anything. Now, you can find it. It's not absent, but it's also not the point. But in chapter 4, we come to the functioning of the body of Christ, and we come to learn that we Have a part in the functioning of the body of Christ in which we do what the scripture, what the text says, works of service. And so we've been talking for the last several weeks about those works of service. We've been talking about how a part in the body of Christ is defined. Now, to do that, we went to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, another famous text in the New Testament about the church illustrated with the idea of a body. And while I'm saying illustrated, I also want to say, yeah, I'm not so sure. It's only an illustration. It's a statement of... An actual reality uh, that the church is the body of Christ. But there in First Corinthians we read about three elements of our body. There in your notes there. There are many gifts. Or in some translations it says, there's a variety of gifts. The same spirit. There are many ways of serving, the next verse says. The same Lord, the same director of service. That's one way you could define what the word Lord means. There are many things accomplished, many works, many results, but the same God who empowers them all in every one. Now, the text in that verse says, the same God works all in all. (laughs) it's It's a simpler sentence in the original text. The same God who works all in all, which we translate to mean the same God who does it all in every one, who accomplishes all the things accomplished in all the people So, those three elements we said we've been saying for the last couple of weeks, are the three elements of anyone's part in the body. If I ask, what? how do we characterize your part in the body? Three ways. First, who has God made you to be? Indicated here by the idea of gifts. The Spirit gives gifts. Well, that's not the only part of who you are, but it's, a, it's the spiritual part. When you're born again, this text teaches us, the Spirit endows you with certain gifts. And they become a part of who you are in relation to the body of Christ. Of course, who you are also includes whoever, whatever else God hasn't given you. It's not just your spiritual gifts, it's also your natural gifts. It's also your skills, your background, your character, your personality, all of which are given. And that's how we should think of these things, as given. Who you are is given to the body. We've mentioned this several times, and it's based on that text in Ephesians 4, where he gave some as this, some as this, some as this, some as this, for this purpose in the building up of the body. He he didn't just give the gift, he gave the gifted person. So whoever you are, God gave you to the body. This text in First Corinthians chapter 12 says God has placed each of us in the body just as As he desired. So you are where you are in the body, not by accident. And not entirely by your own choice. Which is kind of an interesting thing we're going to see today. God is at work. So God has made you to be a certain way and God has given Something for you to do in the service of the building up of the body. Which, by the way, is the goal. When we read Ephesians chapter 4, we learn that the body is for the building up of the body. Hmm. We tend to think of this the other way around, that the church exists to give me what I need to be a good Christian. And that certainly is true. And You can read that all over the Bible. The church does serve the people of the church. But here in the book of Ephesians, that's turned over, and we are given this observation that you are here, for the building up of the body for the representation of Christ in the world So, the one new man in Christ is the Church, not me i'm I'm part of it, but I'm not it. So we've seen that every believer has an important role to play in the Church and for the church, every believer. The text doesn't say when most of the parts do their part. It says as every part does its part. We've seen that God has created each one of us in Christ to fit into our role in the body. You are not an accident You didn't grow into the person you are without supervision or direction. Even if you grew up in a chaotic environment without supervision or direction, there is a supervisor who was in all of those things, making you to be who you are for his own design and purpose. And we've seen that God has some things, some set of things in mind for each one of us to do to serve in the body. The third element, however, is the most important. The first element, who God's made you to be, the second element, what God's given you to do, those are, well, they're there. They're important, they're true. God's made you to be something and God's given you some things to do. But the third element is way, way, way bigger. And that is, what will God do? What will God do? I just want to pose a question to you. Would you rather find out what you can do or what God will do with you? Which of those would you choose? Do we want in the ministry of our church, do we want the ministry of our church to simply be the sum of all of our service? Or do we want to know what will God make of our service? I choose the latter. I don't want to know what we can do. I want to see what God does with us. If we just consider our own capacities, they are limited In many, many ways. Well, let's just make it as concrete as possible. We just took an offering. We gave money. I don't know how much it is yet, but it is a finite amount. A few hundred dollars, most likely. (laughs) A few hundred dollars. What's that? You could maybe, you personally, could maybe live for a week on our offering. It is not a big deal. What we give on a weekly basis, not a big deal. And if that's all there is to it,
1: we're wasting our time here. What we want to know is what will God provide and what
0: will God do? Because God can take a few hundred dollars and turn it into eternal life. And what we do here is live in the eternal life God has given us with the hope that others might share in eternal life
1: using us. So if God takes our little pennies and turns them into that, oh.
0: That is what counts. So if God takes your little offering and makes something eternal with it, that's a blessing beyond compare. And of course, your little offering might include your little smile and handshake when someone comes in the door. Or your couple of hours spent during the week doing this, that, or the other thing in the service together of the life of the church. What really matters is what God does. So I thought, well, let's think about this. What is the work of God? What is God doing? What is God doing? Is God building buildings? Yes. I mean, neither one of the two buildings that are on the campus of this church could be here if God were limited to what the congregation of this church can provide. It just wouldn't.
1: You could have, we could have given all our
0: income and not had enough, but God's not limited by our limits, and so here we are. Does God build buildings? Yes. Why on earth does God care about buildings in churches? I mean, one day this will all burn. This building will not last forever. In fact, it might just fall down before it burns, depending on how long the Lord waits. Buildings don't last forever. Here's what lasts forever. The communication of the Word of God to little children lasts forever. So what happens under the roof of that building Is the communication of the good news of our salvation in Christ to little ones who might believe, might trust themselves to Him, might receive the life He gives, and live forever in His love.
1: That matters.
0: Now, the building, I'm just going to stop for a second and point out, the building does not communicate the word of God to little ones. Some person will have to go in there and do that. What is the work of God? Well, I just want to survey some scriptures. You can probably find more. But if you look at uh, John chapter 5. We find this in verse 17. Okay, I'm going to start with verse 16. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. Sorry, I started too late. If we back up to verse 17, we hear that we hear Jesus say this. Jesus answered them, My Father is working until now, and I am working. When he said that, they wanted to kill him. <laughs> so he goes on. In verse 20, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he is doing and greater works Then these he will show him so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. What is the work of God? He raises the dead. We read about that in Ephesians chapter 2, where we read that in Christ, God has brought us from death to life, has raised us up together with him and seated us together with him at the right hand in the heavenly places. If you are a born-again person, oh, wait, if you're born, you're alive, and you were dead. The Scripture says that the resurrection of Christ has already been applied to you. And if you should die in this life, the resurrection of Christ will be carried out in you, in your very body, so that you will be raised just as he is raised. The work of God is to raise the dead and give them life. Oh. that's a sort of a big deal. So what we're doing when we proclaim the gospel to one another and to the world around us is we are inviting people to be raised from the dead. Who raises them? They don't. We don't. God does that work. Only God. Well, if we go on to the next chapter in the book of John and we look at verse 27, Jesus says, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. (laughs) So I guess there's not a lot of work involved on our part. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, "Well, what, what must be do? What must we do to be doing the works of God?" Well, that's a funny thing to ask, isn't it? What do we do to do the works of God? And they mean the works God requires. Jesus says, "This is the work, work, not works. This is the work of God." that you believe
1: in him whom he has set.
0: Now, I think there's a play on words here. Who does this work that you believe? Well, you believe, but who does this work? God. It's the work of God. If anyone ever believes, God has worked. Because people don't just ordinarily do that. They don't do that at all. In fact, according to the book of Ephesians, as we read in chapter 2, they are dead in their trespasses and sins. They don't do anything. They're incapable. They can't raise themselves up to life. He makes them alive. He, as we read in Ephesians, gives them the faith that they exercise in Christ. This is the work of God that you believe. Well, he goes on. He says this later on. Whoever looks on the sun and believes should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Will he raise himself up? No. Christ will raise him up on the last day. The work of eternal life is the work of God in a person. If we go to Romans chapter 8, famous, famous text of the Bible. Some of you no doubt have memorized Romans 8, verse 28. You remember what it says? All things work together. All things work together. for the benefit of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Let me just read a little more. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, oh, oh, now we're talking about things God does. For those he, he foreknew, he also predestined to what? When God set your destiny, your finishing point, when he said, this is where I am taking you, where? For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. What God's determined in advance to be your destiny, your ending up place, where that is, is you conformed to the image of His Son. The Christ-like you. The you that exhibits Christ. The you that has a character that shows his character. Well, this is what God said in the garden, isn't it? Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And so what God accomplishes through the work of Christ is what God set out to accomplish when he first made us <clears throat> to be conformed to the image of his Son, is what God is doing. That Christ would be one among many. The firstborn of many brothers. Oh, so it's not just me or you. There's an us even in this text. Many. Brothers. Wait, how did we get to be brothers? in Christ, in our conformity to Christ, in our adoption as sons in Christ. So these are some of the the work that God is doing. These are big things. These are not little everyday things. These these are big things, raising us from the dead, giving us life, uh, bringing us into Conformity to the image of Christ Himself. What would you look like if you were loving like Christ? That is God's ambition for you. And God does not set goals and then fail to achieve them. God will work this work. God is already working this work in your life, even now, even while you're still struggling with the flesh. God is working Christ into you and through you into others. That's the work of God. Now, what if we just read the book of Ephesians up till now? You'll notice there's a big blank next to Ephesians 1 through 4. For what is the work of God? Now, I've published a version of the bulletin today. Normally, I publish it with the blanks. But today, it looks like this. All that red type, you probably can't see it. But all the red type is the stuff I say, but don't put in the bulletin. But this week... I've made a copy of this available to you because I think, oh, you need to look at this and remember this. And so you could either write this down or, well, I recommend both write it down now as best you can, and then check to see how much you got. Here are some works of God in the book of Ephesians. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. God did that. Did you bless yourself? No, because That's ridiculous. You can't bless yourself. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Did you choose? Eventually, but he chose before the foundation of the world. And you chose because he chose first. He predestined us. We already read about that. What did he predestine us for? For? What was that for? Oh, to be conformed to the image of His Son. In other words, God set your end point in advance. He adopted us. He redeemed us. He forgave us. He lavished grace on us. He made known to us the mystery of His will, he, uniting all things in Christ. That's the mystery of His will. Uniting all things in Christ. That means uniting me and you in Christ. Though it extends to all created things, well, where what else? He uh, is giving us an inheritance. That's what he's doing. He's making us the inheritance of his son. So he, we receive an inheritance, and we are an inheritance. What does Jesus, the eternal Son of God made man, inherit? The church, us, who are made alive again in Christ and so serve the praise of his glorious grace. We might look around today and think, well, that's not much of an inheritance getting us. But what Christ inherits is what God will make of us. Conforming us to the image of his son. What else? I can't spend too much time on any of these. He sealed us with the the spirit, guaranteeing our inheritance. So because the spirit lives in me, I know I am for sure in him. Guarantee. He is opening our eyes to see his power at work in the resurrection of Christ And in us, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in us in the book of Ephesians. This is all in chapter 1 so far. Uh, In Christ, we are seated at the right hand. And he gave Christ, this is the work of God now, he gave Christ as head to the church, making us his body. And then at the end of chapter 1, he closes with this description of the body of Christ, the people of God, the church. He He calls us the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now that reminds me of that all in all that Paul used in Corinthians that it's God who works all in all. And here it's God who fills all in all. And God's work filling all in all creates in the church the fullness of God, which, by the way, he repeats in chapter 3, telling us how we actually become the fullness of Him. This is crazy. He made us alive together with Christ. This is the work of God. He seated us in the heavens in Christ. This is now in chapter 2. He saved us by his grace. We were dead. He saved us from dead. He rescued us out of dead by his grace as a gift through faith. Oh, which he gave us by grace. You've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. So even the faith I exercised to receive these gifts was a gift. You know, this is what I was talking about earlier when I said, and you read the first three chapters of Ephesians There's not much you're doing. It's a work of God. It's a work of God. I lost my place. He saved us by grace through faith, which he gave us, not of works. Now, these are a lot of works, but they're not our works. And that's the point. He created us, the church, in Christ for good works. That's verse 10 of chapter 2, right? For we, we are His workmanship, a single project. Not a bunch of projects, one project. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Oh, so now there's some works for us. Unto good works which God prepared beforehand. So here Ephesians says the same thing that 1 Corinthians said, which is God has something in mind for us to do. And when he has something in mind for us to do, he has something in mind for each of us to do in that. Wow. He uh, created us, well, unto good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. So we are directed by the Lord. We don't even have to direct this work that we walk in. Okay. He prepared these works in advance for us to walk in. He brought us us Gentiles near by the blood of the cross. He created us in himself, one new man in the place of two. In other words, there were Jews and Gentiles, and now there's only one people of God. One. He made us one instead of two. He created us in him. This is a work of God. He made peace by the blood of the cross. He reconciled us together, and then he reconciled us to God One body, he reconciled us in one body to God. That's what the text says through the cross. He gave us access in one spirit to the Father. So even our praying life is something we have as us. And I'm not saying you shouldn't pray on your own. Of course you should. But even that access that you have to God the Father is the same as it's all one access. He made us citizens with all the saints, members of the household of God, he is building us together into a temple, a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now that is what we mean when we say He's conforming us to the image of His Son. By the indwelling of the Spirit in the temple of the church, the body of Christ, God, we all are His dwelling place and we all share His Spirit and we together come to live his life in the world before one another and in front of everyone. He is making known his manifold wisdom through the church. This is the great mystery Paul says is revealed. This is in chapter 3. How is God's great wisdom revealed in the loving, reconciled people of Christ. That's a work of God. He is strengthening His people with power through His Spirit in the inner man to trust Christ and to grasp His love together with all the saints. Do you trust Christ? Yes. Well, I hope so. Do you trust Christ? Yes. How? God has worked in you. Even after you're born again, you are called upon to trust Christ. The main thing of you, of your part in all of this, is that you trust and rely on Christ. That Christ dwells in your heart through faith. And that you come to grasp His magnificent love, which is so magnificent that you will never fully grasp it in all eternity, you'll be working on grasping it and always thinking you're just getting started. Grasping the magnificence of his love. The spirit working in you to trust in him. This is not just our call to the lost. It's our call to each other. It is the thing we need, the proclamation of the good news of God's grace in Christ. It is the thing you need all the time, no matter how long you've known it, it is still the thing you need to trust Him. And how do you trust Him? God works in you. The Spirit works in you to be strong enough for Christ to dwell through faith. He, uh, here's another one of his works, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teachers to equip the saints for works. Oh, now this is only the second time in this whole text that our works have been mentioned. For the works of service, for the building up of the body of Christ, as each part functions in proper relation to the other parts speaking the truth in love. Now, the thing you want to notice here is these works that we engage in, these works that God prepared in advance that we should walk in them, that, that means we're going to do some things. The, our obedience in faith in Christ is the consequence of His having worked already in us. always, and if it's only what you do, then it's worthless works. The scripture encourages us to rest from fruitless works. That was in Hebrews. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. That's another way of saying overworked, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In other words, I carry it so you don't. And so when we serve in the service that God has prepared in advance for us by the faith that God has worked in our hearts by the very power of the Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, when that is what's happening, this work doesn't seem burdensome. It's what we call joyful service. It's still work, and, you know, sometimes it hurts. But it's always joyful. Just like Christ, who the Scripture says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. We read in the Philippians, it is God who works in you, both to Will and to work
1: according to his good pleasure. How did you decide to obey God?
0: Well, that scripture tells you how God worked in you, God gave you the desire and the energy to obey. What we are called upon to do in the Christian life is to live out something. Like it said in Philippians 2, we work out our own salvation. In other words, that doesn't mean work for your salvation. It means work from your salvation. Because you are a recipient of the overwhelming landslide of the love of God in Christ, you become the landslide. And God works in you for, to give you the desire and the, the energy, and by the way, the direction and all of that, so that you serve joyfully. That is what we want to see We don't want to see what you can do, what I can do, if you add it all up, what we do. We want to see what God will do using us. We we are who he's made us to be. He's given us things to do. But what he will do with those things is way more. Way, way more. I told this story in the Sunday school last time. When I was born, I was not expected to live. I had some kind of congenital heart problem, and babies with my problem die. 24 hours, they said. Well, it's been a little longer than 24 hours. I was born on a Wednesday, perchance. And the church my mother was attending at the time had on every Wednesday a prayer meeting. And they heard about me and they prayed.
1: Here I am. The problem just disappeared that day
0: those people were just doing their joyful service in the life of their church some of them probably never heard about what happened most of them are probably no longer with us some of them never heard my name because when they prayed I didn't have one yet we moved away i don't i've never met any of those people i'm quite sure they have no idea what that baby
1: grew up to do
0: when god works he works in ways that are beyond our works, using our works as his instruments to do so. Now, you know, God could have healed me and they didn't pray, you know, sure. But God let them in on it. God let them in on it. If you benefit from my ministry, I hope you do, If you benefit from my ministry today, you benefit from theirs. And who knows who prayed for them? You see, the biggest deal of all is the work of God. What God is doing, a lot of it seems invisible. A lot of it is. But what God is doing is a much bigger deal. But he lets us participate. And that's how we need to think of it. I have the option of participating with him to serve joyfully. So what do you do? You worship him. You give yourself to him. That's what worship means. You present yourself to him as an instrument of his righteousness. That's in Romans 8. You take up your part. I don't know what your part is, but you have some part or another. We need to figure it out. I Well, I highly recommend that you figure it out because then you will be the person who one day will see what God does with what you did. We walk in His goodness. We obey. (laughs) We keep His commandments. He's got something laid out, something good for us we follow, we reflect his love. And then we notice that it's God who works in us all of these things. It's God who works in us all of these things in me and in everyone else. Praise God. Father, we give you thanks for these things are true. Lord, we pray
1: for your ministry that enables our ministry that you use in all of these magnificent ways. Thank you, Lord, that you let us in on it. In Jesus' name. Amen.